Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Shh. Welcome, everybody. Good evening. Thank you for coming. Monday night, Refuge, the Unlimited series. You in the right place? Here's what we're going to be doing this year, this summer. By the end of this series, you will no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself. You'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. Let's close in prayer. Thank you. I'm going to read it again. This is so important. By the end of this series, you'll no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. I want you to pay attention to what's going on inside of you right now in this very instant. I'm guessing you got one or two responses. Some of you are going, sure, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's, I, that's no big deal. I can do that. Some of you are going, yeah, right. Pfft. Who, me? Not a chance. I want you to notice what is, that, what is that instantaneous script that starts off. What's, the, what's your emotional response to that? How open and receptive are, are you to the idea that you can actually change and no longer be held back by the things that are keeping you stuck? I just want you to notice that. Tag that for just a second. You got it? You paying attention? You know what's going on? Hold on to that for just 30 seconds. And then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And this is going to set the tone for the entire seven weeks. Some of you, in just a second, you're going to get up and walk out the doors. Never come back. Some of you are going to go, OK, let's see what happens here. If you're in category one, the no big deal, this is great, I can't wait to do this. Yes, all right. Okay, you're in category one, category A, whatever. Okay, if you're in the I'm not so sure I'm buying what this guy's selling, okay, I'm not so sure it can happen, category two, category B over here. I want you to pay attention to which one you're in, and then if you can, feel free to stand up right now, okay, put all your stuff down, stand up right now. It's an interactive thing. It's not like church where you just come and sit and watch someone talk. It's, we get to do stuff, OK? Take a deep breath. Deep breath in. Hands all the way up in the air. Out to the side without punching your neighbor. Rotate a little bit. You're going to stretch all those out there. You might get to meet some of your neighbors doing this real fast, OK? Put your hands down. And then actually introduce yourself to one person who's in the kind of the general vicinity and tell them which category are you in, A or B, one or two. How many are in category A over here? Nice. You guys are going to have an incredibly important role. A is the, yeah, no problem. I can't wait to change. Let's see what happens. How many are in B over here? Almost like you guys sat in the right places. How did you do that? That's, that's weird. I might have jinxed it by, you know, doing. What's B? B is, I'm not so sure I can change. I'd like to, but it kind of scares me, and I'm not so sure how to do that, and I kind of doubt that I can change. That's the B category. Okay. 
A and B. It's going to be a fun series to see where we go with some of this. Each of you has an important role in, in how we're going to produce change in hopefully every single one of you. Every single one of you. We'll see what happens. Um, we all want something in life. Would you agree? How many of you want to succeed at something? There's this thing that you've been wanting to succeed at. You've been trying and struggling, and it's like, I want to win. I want to conquer this thing. How many of you are wanting to improve yourself? You want to get better. You notice there's a skill. There's a, a struggle you have, and you keep going back to it over and over, and I, I can't seem to get an edge in, or I can't seem to get lasting change in there. How many of you want to improve at something? How many of you want life just to be easier? I'm not sure anyone will keep their hands down on that one. How many of you are going, my gosh, the world is just so hard right now. I mean, it's, I just wake up and it's just one more thing I got to fight through, one more thing I got to struggle with, one more thing I got I to gotta deal with, and I just, I just, I need a break. Someone stopped the train, I, I, I want off. How many of you want to feel stronger or confident at something? If you were to say my confidence level is not as high as I want it or it could be, some of you might say my confidence level isn't as high as it has been. Some of you might have been through some stuff and it's like that is sticking with you, right? And you're kind of timid and scared. How many of you want more confidence in kind of how you go through the world? Any of this resonating? Pay attention to the one that sticks for you? Which one goes, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do? How many of you had nothing better to do tonight and it's like, hey, Monday night, refuge, just come and show up and just hang out in the church? I'm curious, what do you guys want to walk away with from this series? Do you know? Could you put it into other words that I didn't just list out there? Anyone have something else you're hoping to walk away with from this series? You saw the brochure, you saw the description, it's like, man, here's what I want to conquer. Anyone have something specific? There we go. Hi, uh, out of this uh, series, I would like to catch myself in a crippling thought that I have that kind of creeps in pretty quickly and it cripples me. So I would like to catch myself because I know that's a false belief. So when that happens and I get a physical response of just crumpling and seizing up, I would like to walk away with a tool or two that I could catch myself doing that and then shifting it into another Perfect. reaction. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Who else? Is there something specific you're also wanting to walk away with? There you go. I'd like to know why um, or what are some tools for not running the cycle again? when I change and have a success and then it slips away? And why is it so hard to then come back and be successful again? Almost like a self-defeating or a, it doesn't stick. Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Something specific you're wanting to walk away with? Very good. Yeah. I'd like to coalesce all the different thoughts and ideas uh, and impulses that I'm having to formulate some clear goals and clear understanding in which to direction to go and what to do 
from here. Around a specific issue or just in general? Many, many in many things. issues. <laughs> Sounds like you're looking for a framework to make decisions. Just to make sense. To make sense, sure. Good goal. Anyone else? Wonderful. Yeah. I'd like to walk away. Um, recently I lost my dad and oh, no. it seems like every day I'm crippled with um, grief. Um, it's hard to get through a day without crying. Uh, I'd like to walk away with the strength to go through a day without feeling that grief, loneliness and pain and to be able to um, lead by example from it. Thanks, Jimmy. Anyone else? The seven weeks is for you guys. It's not for me. It's for you guys. We'll come to you in just a second. I just want to give people hope. Okay. I like the simple ones. Thank you very much. I'm going to get, I should like wear a pedometer and see how many steps I do during the series. Nice. Uh, I'd like some things for myself, but also I'd like some tools to be able to help others who are going through this to know how to talk about difficult things without saying the wrong thing. Yeah, without saying the wrong thing. How to sit with people who are looking to change themselves. That's a skill. That's a massive skill. It's a great thing. Going once, going twice. Thank you. Um, I'd like to work on getting that constant voice of unworthiness. Constant voice yeah, of unworthiness. Yeah, it comes yeah. and goes. I want to say goodbye yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. Close the door and lock that and no more vacancy. Very nice. Going once, going twice. How many of you want to actually ask or say what you want to do and you still feel that, I'm not so sure I can do it? That's the moment right now. See if you can, some day one, from day one in the seven-week series, if you can try something, it's just going to be a hair uncomfortable. Anyone else? That's okay if not. You can wait. Oh, there it is. Well done. Well done, well done. I want to learn what the invisible hump is that's inside that's holding me back. So I objectively am able to know that there's something about me um, like, I know that my own potential and my weaknesses and strengths. Yeah. But um, somehow I'm not able to put the behavior in place in my life that matches my thoughts. Yeah. So I want to connect my thoughts and my behaviors. Isn't that frustrating when we, we know what we want to do and somehow it doesn't make it from here to our fingertips or to the action point? It drives me crazy. Okay. Yes, sir. I would like to be um, proactive, learn skills to be proactive instead of reactive, um, to plan things and not just go with the flow. Proactive versus reactive and not just go with the flow. Whew. Fantastic. That's a lot to accomplish in seven weeks. My gosh. We might be setting ourselves up here. What's really nice is this workshop is customized. Again, this isn't about me just coming and dispensing a little piece of information. You get to take this information and apply it to your story. And this is, I think, I can't remember, eight or nine 
summers I've come here and done this. And this summer I've forced myself to do it very differently than I have in the last previous summer. So if you've been here previously, you, you might get a different flavor of what we're going to be doing. Um, for some, that's going to be a really nice change. For others, it's going to be really, really challenging okay, in a positive, non-traumatizing sort of way. That's, that'd be positive. For those who don't know me, my name is Paul Elmore. I'm actually a counselor. I have a private practice down in Milwaukee. Um, and I work with um, individuals and couples, an awful lot of couples lately, um, who have experienced um, some level of trauma in their life um, or having significant relationship issues as they're kind of going through. Um, and how those childhood stories oftentimes affect their adult lives. And again, we talk about those, those humps, those things that are hard to get over, how to get past, how to stop re-experiencing the, the script that keeps playing in their head, how to, how to put into action things that they know what they want to do, uh, but have it play out in their life. Again, we all want something. We all want to make something happen, but there's something in the way. You notice that? There's something in the way. It's like, what in the world is this thing? I call it the toxic stories we tell ourselves. It's the scripts that play in our lives. They're oftentimes based in fear and self-doubt. Those words resonate at all? Fear, self-doubt, questioning, lack of confidence. Sometimes those voices, those fears, come from childhood messages you receive. Sometimes they come from adult experiences you've had. Sometimes they aren't overt messages, words that have been spoken to you, but experiences you've gone through, and you've learned specific lessons from those. But there's still something in the way. And it's like, I feel stuck. I, I don't want to be here anymore. I actually use the word curses and blessings. I actually believe there are legitimate, true curses and blessings. Not in the Harry Potter, uh, Vada Kedavra sort of way, okay? But in the, I can speak something into someone's life and it will either reap something positive or something negative, a blessing or a curse. And it actually can come to fruition. It can actually happen. Words are powerful. That's why the, the subtitle of this series is Challenging the Toxic Stories. Stories are powerful. They're massive. Why do you think we go see movies? I mean, they're just stories that we get lost in and wrapped up in because we can see ourselves, we can see our own stories in some of them. So we all want something, but there's something in the way. And so this series is going to walk you through a rewriting process going to rewrite the story. In my sessions, I actually talk a lot with people about writing a different ending to the story. Because sometimes you only have one ending to that story. I sat with a client who um, went through a fairly traumatic breakup with a, uh, a boyfriend. This guy was not very kind, wasn't very polite, wasn't very respectful. And she could tell you specifically what he said, what she was feeling, what time of year it was, what the sounds were around her, the exact square on the sidewalk she was standing in outside of her dorm at school. She could tell you exactly what she did after that. And that story kept replaying and replaying and replaying because there was only one ending to that story. There was just 
here's how it played out. And for five, seven years, she couldn't get that story to stop playing in her head. And so we sat down and we go, let's rewrite that story. How could the story end? If you were a screenwriter, how, what would you do differently? How would you re rewrite this? And so we went through a rewriting process. So there's a new ending to the story. Wouldn't that be great if you could take you know, an Avengers movie? And it's like, I don't like the ending of that. Pause, okay, let's rewrite real fast, and okay, that's a better ending than the script, and let's play it out, go. It would make Avenger movies very more interesting. <laughs> or the Twilight series would be a whole new thing. Um, <laughs> like all of the series that I get to do here at Refuge, I love coming and spending time with you guys. I love seeing familiar faces. Again, eight or nine years I've been getting to do this. But every series that I do actually comes out of my own personal work. It's actually cheap therapy for me. Thank you very much. You guys are all, as I am trying to wrestle through some things in my life, as I hear those limiting stories, as I hear those scripts in my own personal life, this is the thing that I've been working on over the last year, since the last summer I got to spend with you guys. And I would like to walk together. So by no means am I the only one who has a, a level of expertise up here. You actually get to look around you and you get to, we get to be together and say, there are some people in this room who have insights or understanding that I just don't have. And we want to hear from you. Again, it's an interactive process. We get to walk through this together. Does that sound okay? Does that sound like nice? And as I get to be with you for just a summer, many of you get to keep going on into the fall and the winter and spring in the regular Refuge series that's on Monday nights over in the other building, I think it is. And you get to spend time together hearing people's stories and being with them in those experiences. It is time well spent. So if you haven't been to Refuge yet, if you just, this is the first time you've had an experience with that, Keep your eyes open if you want to kind of continue on in the process. I know several people here who they kind of showed up at a, at a summer series and then decided to jump in, and there's lots of good stories that come out of that. It's really fun to hear kind of the change and the growth that comes from, from beyond just seven weeks here. So I want you to consider that the entire year can be a rewriting process for your story. Sound okay? No. <laughs> so here's what the process looks like. I'm just going to tell you exactly where we're going. Ready? Here's where we're going. We're going to identify the thing that you actually want. And for some of you, that's going to be the hardest part of this entire series. I'm not even sure what I want. I'm not even sure how I can grow. I'm not sure even how I can change. I know I don't like where I'm at, but I don't know where I want to be. I want to help you be able to identify what is that thing that you actually want to achieve. Okay? And once we've done that, you have to identify what in the world is stopping you from getting it. Is it a script? Is it a story? Is it an experience? Is it a message from parents? Is it a message from a boss? What is the thing that's getting in the way? What, is, what does it sound like? How, what is it phrased like? Becoming very, very specific on what that thing is. And once we do that, here's the best part. For some of you, you get to step out of that comfort zone and you get to share it in front of the group. You get to say, this is what I want, and this is what's in the way. That might be terrifying for some of you. That might be the very first time you've ever considered sharing that in front of someone else besides the person in the mirror. That might be the hardest part of this series. 
You might be able to identify it, you might be able to identify what's in the way, but actually admitting it out loud is really, really scary. But that's what you're gonna be invited to do. And I want you to hear really, 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 really clearly if you can, that is an invitation, not an expectation. I'm gonna say that again. That is an invitation, not an expectation. If you choose not to do it, it does not mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're cowardly. It doesn't mean that you are shameful. It doesn't mean that you're weak. None of those things. It means it's just not time yet. And timing is important. Some of you might not be the right time because if you actually start working on this, it's gonna actually put you in a more compromising situation. I want you to be wise in the work that you do. But this is a space that I want you to have where you can, for some of you, you can risk trying to do that and we'll see what happens. Okay, And then, once you have identified what you want, what's in the way, and you are able to share it out loud, we're going to find the guy. We're going to find someone else in the room who goes, you know what? I actually think I can help with that. It isn't going to be me. Okay, It's going to be someone in here who goes, you know what? I actually think I have some skills or some resources or an ability, and I actually can help you get over your thing. And then you guys get to have a conversation. And then we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. That's why I said both of you have a role in here. If you're on this side, this is great. I can't wait to change. You guys might get to walk alongside someone who's terrified to change. Terrified. That whole throw up in your mouth kind of feeling. Terrified. Scary, scary. Trembling and shaking. Some of you... You might get to be both roles. I want to change and I can actually help someone through this. And that will surprise the heck out of you. I have something of value to offer someone else. I didn't even know that. Holy cow. But I'm going to try it and see what happens with that. And then you get to share again. You get to put yourself out here and go, here's what I've been trying. Here's the process I've been doing. And we get to hear from your stories. And we get to, we get to watch as you grow and change. That's, that's the whole series right there. It's not complex, it's not a difficult recipe, but for some of you, it might be the very first time you're challenging these messages that you've carried for 20, 30, 40 years. It might be the first time you risk trying to do something to shake these things loose. Some of you might find remarkable freedom this summer. And some of you might walk away with amazing insight and skills. Some of you might walk away with inspiration as you watch other people try to do these things. I don't know. I'm curious to see what you're going to walk away with. It's going to be a fascinating experience. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You might pick up the theme that there's a little warning and this process is actually active, not passive. Did you get that idea a little bit, possibly, maybe? And again, for some of you, the timing's not right, that's okay. But for some of you, when you've been wounded experientially, you need to heal experientially. You have to do something. And so I wanna take it beyond just information and I wanna put it into application. Make sense? Again, I want you to pay attention right now in this moment as I talk about this active part. Is there any part of you which is going, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm scared to do this. Just notice those things right now. 
Just be aware of what's going on internally for yourself. I want you to, and what does it actually sound like? What are the words? What's the script? It isn't just a, 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 a detached voice. There's actually language that goes to it. So this idea of being active in change, see if you can capture that. You have worksheets that have been handed out, correct? Use the back of them, write down those things um, as, as we're going through here, because I want you to be able to capture real clearly your own experience as we're going through this in this process. And then finally, I talked about it, we want to share in your progress and success. Lots and lots of research has kind of confirmed that when you try to do something without telling anybody else, the chances of being successful at it are much, much, much lower. When you actually put yourself out there before you have any success and say, dear world, this is what I'm going to try to do. I'm exposing myself and I'm going to hold myself accountable to whoever wants to ask me about it. When you put yourself out there before you have any success, the chances of you getting success raise exponentially. It is such a counterintuitive, terrifying method that works really, really good. Really good. If anyone's seen the movie, um, The Abyss, old movie, um, story about aliens about living on the bottom of the ocean. Okay, for those who have seen it, there's one scene in there, because the aliens or this thing lives so deep, deep down, they have a deep diving suit but it's, a, it's kind of weird futuristic technology where you get in the diving suit and then they pump it full of fluid, sort of like amniotic fluid, <clears throat> that your lungs can breathe because you need to have, you need to have your, the pressure in your body um, uh, equalized because if you just have air inside, then you pop like a balloon and you die as you go deeper and deeper and deeper in the ocean. And so um, uh, Ed Harris, who plays the main character in that, puts on this diving suit, screws the helmet on, it's the worst scene ever. And you watch this kind of pink fluid fill up in this big glass thing. And it goes up and it goes up and it goes up. And you can see his eyes get really, really big. And when I watch it, I'm holding my breath. It's like, <gasps> and he's holding his breath in there too. And all of a sudden, he can't hold his breath anymore. And, and he, he takes that first breath and he does what every human being does, which is arms start flailing. He got three guys holding him down and uh, the other crew around him are going, he's drowning, he's drowning, get it off, get it off. And, and the guy who invented the technology says, give it a minute, wait a second, wait a second. He'll figure it out. And it's about 30 seconds of sheer terror and panic until he, <gasps> he can breathe fluid. Your brain says, this isn't supposed to work right. And again, it's, Futurist movie is technology, but I resonate with that moment right there because it's like your body is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You're going to get hurt. It's going to be scary. You're going to get injured in some way. And you've got to take the breath. You've got to trust it. You've got to put yourself out there. I should show that clip. It's really good. It's super good. All of you can be traumatized and panicked like I was, so we can have a bonding moment over that. Why limiting beliefs? Why has this been a theme in my life? Um, it comes from a story. I want you to hear a story. It's about nine minutes. It's from Radiolab. Any Radiolab fans in here? Big fan. Um, they tell stories like you can't believe. But it's a story about um, how beliefs impact our behavior. So let's listen for just a few minutes. Ready? Let's see what happens. 
doctor. Yeah, I'm Dr. Albert Mason. There we go. I was trained in medicine uh, in Guy's Hospital. Back in the 1950s, Albert Mason was delivering babies at a hospital in London. He was a young guy, an anesthesiologist, and he was looking for a new way to anesthetize his patients, the moms, something maybe safer than drugs. And one day, he ran across a book about medical hypnosis. Medical hypnosis. And I just read the technique and tried it out on some friends. And under what circumstances? Like uh, you you would put a watch and have it swing back and forth, left and right? No, and, you know. no, I just lay them down on the couch and say, um, now I want you to let your whole body go loose, let your arms go loose, let your legs go loose. And it worked on some people and not on others. But the more he practiced, the better he got. You know, putting his friends under. To a trance state. Getting them to remember stuff from their fifth birthday. And all sorts of games that we played as medical students. And so he took this little party trick into the delivery room and it worked. That's right. I delivered about 20 babies under hypnosis. And the moment you start to do hypnosis, you start to get a reputation as being somebody who has power. Well, I would think you'd get two reputations. The patients might think you have power, and the doctors might think you're a quack. Well, both of those are true. But at that time, it was kind of fun. Because the hospital administrators were kind of curious about this young doctor slash hypnotist. Maybe he was onto something, who knows? So they started to send him all kinds of patients. Skin disorders, asthma. And he'd hypnotize them, which led to a weird little discovery. Of all things that hypnosis might help, the one that seemed to work the best was warts. Warts? Warts, yeah. To my delight, I found that if you hypnotized them and told them that the warts would go, they went in a certain number of cases. Let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. Dr. Mason is treating lots of these uh, warts patients, and things are going pretty well. And one day, a young boy came to this hospital. He was wheeled in on a gurney, and the first thing I saw was his arm. I could have dropped through the floor because this wasn't a dozen warts. This was millions. This was the entire surface of the skin. It cracked and got infected, and his life was impossible. He couldn't go to school because he smelt. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the photographs of this boy. Just check this out. Look at this picture here. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He looks like he has a... Like a a black hide over his whole body. It looked like an elephant skin. Mm. That's what it looked like. Jeez. Yeah, well, so they take this poor boy to surgery. The surgeon, a man called Jerry Moore, was trying to graft healthy skin onto the hands. And when I saw this skin, I said to Mr. Moore, why don't you uh, treat him by hypnosis? And he looked at me and he said, well, why don't you? And he walked out. <laughs> was his, why don't you, in, in despair or in contempt? I think a mixture of both. And by the way, when you ask that question, you're the kid asking the senior uh, practitioners, so... I was cheeky. Yeah, you were yeah. cheeky. <laughs> so there's Albert Mason, cheeky, alone with his boy with the million warts, and Albert asks him, do you mind if I hypnotize and you? And this kid, who was 15, said, okay. But didn't you have to tell the parents? Um... No. Couldn't have got away with it today, could I? <laughs> so I hypnotized this kid. I told him, the warts on your right arm will shrivel up and die, and new skin will grow. And why did you choose the right arm? Oh, I had to start somewhere. And I sent him away. He came back in a week. 
and one arm was clear. Totally clear. I mean, imagine this. The left arm is black and scaly like, you know, elephant skin. And the right arm is totally normal. Totally normal looking. Yes. Well, here's the Come photo. on. No, look, this no, it's a real photo. This is a this is verifiable. It looked like a normal skin, but rather pinker than usual, slightly pink hmm. and soft and supple. Whoa. This is for real? Yes. It's like all those thousands and thousands of warts that covered the right arm. I guess they just fell off. And what were you thinking when you first saw it? I I was thinking, how wonderful. I was thinking, oh, wait till Mr. Moore sees this. <laughs> so he takes the boy, he runs down the hall to the operating room where Mr. Moore is in the middle of an operation. He takes the boy up to the big, you know, the glass window. And I held up both his arms. One black and scaly, the other pink and raw. <laughs> and Moore put down his scalpel. He came out of the theater and he looked and he said, my God, Look at that. And I said, well, I told you uh, what's going on. And he looked at me pityingly. He said, this isn't warts. This is congenital ichthyosiform erythrodermia of Brock. Well, now, for those of us who are uninitiated, what is romodermidabidabidabidaxiosis? It's a hopeless condition. Never been known to, to change. The surgeon informed Albert Mason that he had just hypnotized away a condition that never once in medical history had been known to go away for any reason whatever. So he says, we're going to take him to the Royal Society of Medicine to show him to all the dermatologists in London. So Moore took me up there with the boy. Thank you, Dr. Moore, and to the Royal Society for this opportunity. And I demonstrated, yes. first of all, I demonstrated how to hypnotize Hypnosis is yeah? quite easily achieved. You simply lie the patient down and say, now I want you to let your whole body go loose. Let your arms go loose. Let your legs go loose. And then I showed his arm. Please, sir, if you don't mind, raise both arms. They were staggered. In fact, the president... Gentlemen, this is absurd. ...said that it's inconceivable, inconceivable that this gets well because... Because we all know that congenital ichthyosis is incurable. incurable. That was the exact word he used, incurable. 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 And the thing was, since all this took place at a hospital, every stage of it was documented. There are photographs of every step along the way, before shots, after shots, close-ups, all available to reporters. You can imagine what happened. Uh, it was picked up in every newspaper, Time magazine. Big media story. In fact, the first I heard about it, I was in bed one morning a year after I'd sent the paper in for publication, and the phone rang, and a voice said, this is Whipsnade Zoo. We have an elephant with a skin like a little boy. Can you cure him? <laughs> and I thought, what the, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then the phone started to ring and ring and ring, and hundreds of calls, hundreds of letters came in from all over the world. And I had people coming in with the, the most terrifying illnesses wanting to be cured. Especially people with that very rare skin condition. Congenital ichthy, uh, whatever it's called. Yes, they flocked to him from all over the world. And that's, now here's where the story takes a turn. He would see these patients. He would hypnotize each one, one at a time, and then send them away, hoping, of course, that they'd get better. And they would come back a week later. Mm. And? None of the others ever got well. 
at all? No. Not in any way? No improvement. Um, I've spent the rest of my life trying to understand this phenomenon because I gave up anesthesia. Just a few years later, Albert Mason quit medicine and he decided to become a psychiatrist. He wanted to understand why he had the touch the first time and why after that it just didn't work. So the central question in your mind was not what happened to the kid, but what happened to me? That's right. That's right. And what do you think the answer to that is? Like, well, there is a condition called infantile omnipotence that we all <laughs> suffer from when we're kids. We think we can do anything. Unconsciously, I knew this was incurable. Wait, 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 wait a second, because incurable would mean that it had never been cured. But That's you had right. just, you had just right. created an exception, so... look. When you're 25 and the president of the Royal Society of Medicine tells you it's incurable, it has an effect. That's his best guess. He thinks that that word, incurable, changed him just a little bit. I lost my crazy confidence, even though I had the evidence, but it didn't work. These are the actual pictures of the, of the kid who got uh, that he helped. Top one's obviously uh, ahead of it uh, before the, the hypnosis and then after. Uh, oop, go back. Have you ever seen pictures of those people who are afflicted with the, just the warts that cover everything? It's, it is, it's like a scale or tree bark. And he was able to hypnotize it away. Again, what makes this case so ex crazy is, is it's medically documented. This isn't just a hearsay. Papers are written, photos are taken. There's, there's lots and lots of eyeballs on this, lots of, it, lots of proof that this actually happened. And yet, a 25-year-old intern who's now told by the, the head of the Royal Academy of Medical whatever says, you can't actually do it. He lost his crazy confidence. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? I had it. I had a way to help people. I can actually bring suffering to an end. I can bring relief. And now something changed inside me that I can't do this anymore. I had heard this story well before Radiolab uh, did a, a series about it. Um, and it always intrigued me because it, it, it sparks the question of, what could I have done? I'm curious what my raw potential could have been if I would have had this, this proverbial perfect childhood and nobody would ever have taken away my special skills or ability. I wonder what I could have done. I wonder who I would be. You ever wonder those things? You ever think about that? If I hadn't had this experience, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what I would have turned out. I wonder if I would have avoided this. This guy has, a, again, clinical diagnosable evidence of what he could have been and what he, what he is now. And then he spent the rest of his life trying to figure it out. It's a fascinating story, but it proves, it proves that stories, the messages we are told by people, either launch us or limit us. This guy didn't, didn't physically do anything to this intern. He didn't, he didn't, manacle him. He didn't stop him in any way. He just implanted the thought that said, you really can't do it. And that doubt shows up. Again, it's not just a mind over matter thing. It's a... How 
How do you even phrase it? Faith, belief. Kind of what we're talking about this series. Yeah, magical thinking. I mean, all sorts of stuff. It's, It's so... I find myself have a strong emotional reaction to saying, I wish this guy never would have told him that he couldn't do it. Because I, I wonder where he could have gone, what, could have, what he could have done with this. Stories either limit us or launch us. What are the stories, what are the phrases, what are the words you personally have heard that might have limited your story? As a counselor, some of the things that I've heard just within the last couple weeks, I just jotted down a couple as I was getting ready for the series. I'm too stupid to do school. Why go back to school? I'm too stupid. I'll never amount to anything, so why even try? I'll never find someone who loves me for who I am. It's a foregone conclusion. It's never going to happen. I can't get better. Even though they're coming to see a counselor, hoping they can get better, the belief level is it's not going to actually work. I'm never going to figure out what I want to do. I want to do something more than I am, but I I can never figure it out, so I'm just going to have to settle for what I've got. I can't get the job that I want. Again, very short list. I have a very long list of sitting with people and hearing those limits. Again, the curses that they've been, that have been passed down to them, and then they put it on auto-repeat. So they keep it live. They keep it going in their system in some way. So here's my question for you. You have a worksheet that's in front of you. I want you to see if you can identify what your, got any extra worksheets up here possibly for those who got one or two who might need it possibly. A couple over here. Perfect, if we can hand out, looks like four or five, kiddo or anyone, would you be willing to pass those out? Thank you so much. Um, On this worksheet, I wanna take five minutes and I want you to see if you can identify what is that script? What is the message that you received from someone at some time, somewhere in in your life, in your story? See if you can be as specific as possible around what that is. So first is, what do you want? This guy, he wanted to cure warts. He wanted to use hypnosis to help people. That's what he wanted. What is the thing you've been dreaming about? Second question on there, what are the scripts or the stories you hear in your head that keep you from getting what you want? Usually words like I can't or I shouldn't are played into those. And then number three, see if you can identify who gave you those limiting beliefs. Who started that curse or that toxic story. If you don't know, that's okay. Take five minutes right now. See if you can identify what that is. Hey, everyone. If you happen to be listening to this episode sometime after the series was released, but you wanted to fill out those worksheets for yourself, go to paulelmore.com, and at the top of the page under resources, click on podcast, and you can find the unlimited series on episode number one there'll be a link to download these worksheets as a pdf so you can uh, follow along yourself about 30 seconds anyone need more time than that i want to make sure we're not rushing anybody perfect okay just a few more seconds
some of you, this is the first time you might have actually ever written down the stuff you've actually heard in your head, the messages that have been carrying with you for years and years and years, the first time you've ever been intentional about looking at it. For some of you, you know what they are, you're real familiar with them, but you don't know where to go with it or what to do with it. We'll get to that, I promise. Is anyone, I want to see if we can take like three or four or five folks, anyone willing to share what it is they want, what's in the way, and where the story might have gotten started? And if it's okay, I'm going to ask you not to go into much detail because it's not time for that yet, but I want to see if we can just have some folks share. Yeah, so what I want is confidence that causes other people to believe I can do what I secretly know I'm capable of. Secretly? Yeah, but the thing that gets in the way is uh, the belief that I'm always in the way or invading other space or wasting their time. Um, yeah. And that comes from my mom's belief that she's a burden to people and that we shouldn't embarrass her by becoming burdens to others. What's fun to watch as I do this is you watch people's heads nod you get to see that that resonates with certain folks, that the, that's not a unique story in the room. You and I could spend a, probably the next couple hours having a conversation about that. That sounds very similar. Anyone else wanting to make sure people understand they can deal with their stuff? Thank you. Well done, take a breath, take a breath. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, I want to accept myself. Uh, I'm not going to be able to finish this. Yes, you give it a try. Maybe my husband can read it for me. No. By the way, just so you're curious, I can't finish this. That might be a limiting belief, which we're kind of working on here. This is how it works. Okay. They just keep popping up, don't they? Okay. <laughs> um, I want to accept that I don't, uh, I didn't know I was going to cry. No, I really don't know if I can. Try to get, see if you can get just the first part. You don't have to get all the parts, just the first part. What you want. Okay, I just want to accept myself, my humanness. I want to accept that I don't have to run away from hard things. Uh, it originated a lot from my mom. Uh, other things too, but my mom first um, was always saying what she couldn't do, what we couldn't do. Um, she was very... Uh, verbally abusive, uh, put, my, um, put my dad down a lot and in front of us, and then he never defended himself. Uh, he was very passive. He was the opposite. And like, she never apologized for being negative or yelling. You know, she just, she didn't really have the capacity. You couldn't reason with her, you know, so I never felt very safe. Um, sorry that I could share, I, you know, like in my adolescence and stuff, I never felt really safe that I could share um, things with her when I really needed it. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, don't. <laughs> Notice what you're feeling at the moment, all those strong emotions. Why do you think they clapped? Oh. Try again. Maybe some people could relate, and you know they're probably really scared to share too, and that I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 
when we're willing to make ourselves vulnerable in front of everybody else, everyone else goes, I want to see them succeed. I want to watch them get better. And I want to walk with you through this. You can see the smiles. You can, the applaud is natural. You just gave everyone a very, very nice gift this evening. Thank you so very much. What's your name? Amy. Amy, everybody. Say thank you, Amy. Thank you. Okay. It's going to be a good series. Did I mention that? This is going to be what the whole thing is about. It's going to be nice. Anyone else? Got time for just a couple more? Wonderful. This is, again, only if you want to. This is gets to be your, your story. This is, again, only if you want to. This is gets to be your, your story. I'm ambitious. I have four on here, but I'll just read one. Okay. I've got a lot to do. Um, I would like to develop a habit of forgiveness in my relationships with my closest family members. Mm. Um, the things that get in the way of that are beliefs that I've been hearing since I was a child um, from my mom and my classmates and then repeating myself, I just got stuck, that people can't change. I'll always be reactive and defensive to the people around me. I can't control my emotional responses and that people are afraid of me. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much. Time for one or two more. Just if you so, so your point. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. So um, I would like to be more confident in my writing ability. And I actually have more than one, but I can only pick one, I think. I mean. I should only pick one right now. So um, the things I hear inside of my head about this are that no one cares about what I have to say and that my ideas aren't good and that I don't know what to write about because ideas don't come to me anymore and that I don't have time. And I think um, some of those beliefs come from teachers. I know that. And um, my mom not having time to hear me and telling me to be quiet and that kind of thing. Wow, thank you so much. You're gonna hear themes starting to play out. Be quiet, don't be a bother. Stop sharing your feelings, blah, blah, blah. You'll see constant themes kind of pool together. Anyone, one more, got one time for one more. All right, thank you, sir, well done. Here we go. What I have is that I'd like to have some real goals and dreams, something that I can actually focus on and put my attention and drive towards and a desire to succeed at something. You know, and, and what the story is is that why bother? It doesn't matter. I can do anything, and I know I can, but why bother? Because um, doing no effort always works out. I've always succeeded at doing very little of nothing, putting forth no effort. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. I'd like to have some passion towards something because okay. that's what I hear, you know. If you want to do something in your life, have passion. It'll create drive to actually succeed as opposed to just be successful with, nice. with no effort. Have a target that have you want to hit. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Nicely done. Nicely done. This is just five people out of a room of uh, 120 or so. The stories keep going over and over and over again. Did you hear any constant themes even in just the five here? There is kind of 
I've heard it in, I think, three of the five for sure. Uh, and it's going to be one of the biggest themes um, that we're going to hear over and over and over again. I actually call it the, um, the most limiting, limiting belief, to be redundant. The most limiting, limiting belief is I am not able to change. I want to change, but I actually can't. It's impossible for me. It's possible for other people, but I actually can't change at all. That is the most limiting, limiting belief out there. I'm not able to write a new ending to the story. Once the story is written down on paper, there is no eraser. You can't change the ending at all. This is a cancer that has to be addressed. That has to, you have to dig deep down and see if you can start changing that. Because if you don't, um, it doesn't matter what the target is you're trying to hit. If you don't actually believe you can change, it's not going to happen. You watch, you watch these people all the time. Uh, I always use basketball examples, even though I don't play basketball. But you have the kid who, who gets the ball, and every time he you know, goes up for the shot and he misses it, he goes, yep, see? I told you I suck at basketball. Let me try. Bounces off the ropes. Yep. Just proves I suck at it. I'm never going to get good at it. Why keep trying? How good do you think he's going to get if he keeps practicing with that, with hearing those scripts? When you don't even believe you're going to get good, even if you keep practicing, you're actually tainting the, the practice that you're doing. Versus the kid who goes, I know I can get good at basketball, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to work harder than anyone else on the team, and I believe that I can get better. I might not be the star of the team, but I know that I can be better than who I am right now. And so I put it up, and the ball bounces off. It's like, all right, I'm just going to keep trying again, and I'm going to do this until I get better. I, I believe that I actually can change. I can get better. If you, doubt, if you doubt that you can change, then even trying, trying to change yourself, you'll be met with quicker failure and greater resistance. A lot of us, I know that I've spent my time doing that, which is, I want to be really good at this. I really don't think I can. I really want to be good at this, but it's never going to happen. I really hope this can, get, can make this, this thing be better in my life. It's never going to be. I have to get rid of this, this voice right here is the one that's actually dictating most of my life because this is the one that I, I, I feel it. So the question is, and the part that keeps going back to me over and over and over is, why? Why would someone want to stay in a state of disappointment, hurt, frustration, fear? There's got to be a reason, okay? We're going to talk about that reason. But I know this is the right series to be teaching right now because last night we had Chinese dinner, and in my fortune cookie, no kidding, that was in it. <laughs> All personal breakthroughs begin with a change in beliefs. I couldn't have set that up. So the Chinese restaurant says, this is what we're supposed to be working on. This is what we're working on. That's actually how I pick all of my series. I just have Chinese dinner before. Whatever the fortune says, hey, that's what we're doing this year. Awesome. Sounds good. Why? Why, why do we settle for this small voice that says we can't really do it? Okay. Every limiting belief has a positive intent. Did you know that? Every limiting belief has a positive intent. Which is frustrating. Belief systems are designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is make you feel safe. 
make you feel safe. That's why we limit ourselves. It's because we know that we have obtained some level of safety in the system that we have built. Every single one of you in the room, you've built a system to organize reality. It's the way that you see the world. And when you start operating in that system, it starts to make sense. You have a system of concrete rules and commands that filter your reality. It's the, it's the what information you let in to influence you and what information you reject out. Sometimes it's called confirmation bias. If you've been here in the past, you've heard that. You only let information in that confirms what you believe about the world and you actually reject information that challenges it. Confirmation bias keeps us stuck for a lot of things. But the beliefs are the, or form the foundation of your expectations. Beliefs form the foundation of your expectations. As human beings, we all, oh, we all crave a sense of certainty. We love to know what happens. C.S. Lewis has written, we choose a known hell over an unknown heaven. We like known we like to know, if I do this, this is what's going to turn out. I often tell my clients over and over the two worst feelings to sit in. I deal a lot with feelings in my office. The two worst feelings is ambiguity and helplessness. The, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm terrified. Because our brain goes, if I don't know what's going to happen, I'm out of my depth here. I assume something terrible is going to happen. Something worse is going to happen than what I already have. So I'd rather hold on to what I is known because it's the, it's the devil that you know kind of thing versus I'm going to let go of this and possibly the unknown can actually hold much better stuff. We assume that the unknown is actually dangerous. That's why we stay stuck. We all create that sense of certainty. When you were younger, beliefs may have served to keep you safe, and that is why you hold on to them. Except as an adult, these belief systems get in the way. I'm pretty sure I've told it before, for those who have been here before, the basketball playing Eskimo. There's a um, little boy, a little Eskimo, that was born in an igloo on the ice. And when he was born... From the very first moment that he lived in this igloo on the ice with his family, he heard one message. Never, ever, ever go outside without your sealskin hat and coat and boot and gloves and pants or else you will freeze. It's cold out there. And so he was a very good Eskimo boy. And he never went outside without his sealskin hat and coat and boot and gloves and pants. He always wore them. And he grew up. And he got really, really good at just being a little, little Eskimo boy. And as he grew up, he actually loved basketball. And so he played on the, the basketball team um, in his village. And, and he got really good at it until he actually started to get scouted by colleges. He was the very first boy in the entire village to even have the potential of going to a college. And, and colleges heard about him. They sent scouts up. And they said, we actually would like to give you a full ride scholarship to a college. And the whole village was really, really proud of him. His parents were beaming. They threw him a, a celebration. The day came. He got on the plane, and he flew to the college. 
and right off the plane, they get onto the campus and they start to do daily doubles and they start to practice over and over and over. And after about six weeks of practicing on the team, he was the worst one on the team. It was terrible, it sucked. And he knew it. I mean, it was what's well, worse when you know you're not a good basketball player and everyone else knows you're not a good player. And he was feeling it and his confidence was rattled and it was shattered. And he's going, finally he um, pulled his roommate aside who was also on the team and he goes, I gotta know, am I as bad as I think I am? The guy goes, yeah, I mean, you got no game here. What's going on? And he goes, I don't know. I really, I really was really good at this. Um, I can't figure it out. And the guy goes, I, I'm not the coach, I don't know. I am curious though, why in the world do you play basketball wearing seal skin hat and coat and boot and gloves and pants? The rest of us are wearing shorts and sneakers and, and no shirt. This is Southern Florida. Why in the world do you play basketball wearing a sealskin hat and coat and gloves and boots and pants? And this kid goes, I was actually wondering the same thing. Why you guys? Because everybody knows you never go outside without your sealskin hat and coat and gloves and pants and boots or else you'll freeze. How are you guys doing it? A skill set that kept him alive in one context as an adult in a different context is now getting in the way. Can you imagine what that felt like the very first time he unzipped that coat and felt skin or felt air on his skin? Talk about unknown. Talk about uncomfortable. Talk about rewiring his, his system. And yet, if he tries to maintain playing basketball in southern Florida in sealskin, he's not going to survive, is he? That's happening to us over and over and over again. We're using strategies that actually did work. It works really, really good growing up. It's probably not wise to share your feelings if you're getting constantly berated or shut down or, or abused or hurt in some way. And yet now, if you're out of that system, if you apply that same thing, it might get in the way of you know, having conversations with your spouse or speaking up for yourself in your job. Does that make sense? <clears throat> limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs have a positive intent. They're to keep you safe. We just got to make sure we're using the right belief system in the right context. Now, it would actually be foolish of him to get rid of his sealskin clothes, wouldn't it? Because what would happen if he goes and visits his folks back up on the ice? You actually want to be able to put those back on. So what you might find out in this process is, is you get to selectively know when to use the belief system, when to use the skills you have well honed, and when it's time to use a new skill that you're not as good at and you get to be a newbie for a while until you get really good at it. And now you can pick and choose and you have more resources and more options available to you in your life. Does that make sense? Fascinating idea, isn't it? Let's get rid of some seal skin this, this series. It should be a lot of fun. Over a lifetime, your beliefs are ingrained into your nervous system through repeated situations which prove their legitimacy. It just happens over and over and over again. And your nervous system, your physiological body goes, I know what to expect now. For some of you, you um, are well wired knowing how to walk into a room. You can walk into the room and within three seconds you can take the emotional temperature of everyone in the room to determine what you should say and what you should do. Is this the right time to ask for something or is this the right time to keep your mouth quiet? Is this the right time to push or is this the right time to hold back? 
Is this the right time to even be in the room or should I be out? And you can instantaneously feel that. Know what I'm talking about? Some of you have gotten really good at honing those skills, which it's almost like a superpower because you can walk into a, a boardroom, you can walk into a business anywhere, and you can take the emotional temperature of everyone in the room. And for some people, they can actually do that and use it to their advantage in sort of a narcissistic, manipulative sort of way. And some people use it as a, I, I can figure out exactly where I need to plug myself in. I don't want to be above this person because that would cause too much conflict, but I don't want to be below this person because then I'm going to get taken advantage of. So I'm going to slide right into the sweet spot right here. And here's where I'm going to stay. And that's why I've been in this position for, for 16 years in the company. Even though I'd like to really have a promotion, if I do that, oh, I might actually, you know, get out of that role again. And it gets hardwired into your neurology. Your nervous system knows what to expect because you've been in the system over and over and over again. And it gets repeated over and over and over again. And at that point, it's important to remember that beliefs are not actually facts. For a lot of you, the way you see the world, you assume it is the way the world is. And I'm gonna be the guy who says, it might not actually be the way that you think it is. Not all men are sketchy and dangerous. Not all risk is bad. Not all conflict is the end of a relationship. For some of you, those like might be, I might be speaking blasphemy right now. You just know if you get in a fight with someone, it, the relationship's supposed to end. That's just what happens, right? It might not be. And watching two people resolve conflict, have genuine heated conflict with each other, and then at the end of it, embrace and get reconnected again, you're scratching your head going, what kind of voodoo are you doing? How did you just make that happen? I have never seen that ever in my life. And you want to go, I'd like to know how to do it, I just don't think I can. They have some sort of magical power that I don't have. It's not true. You can learn it. So it's important to remember, again, that, that your belief systems are not actually facts. They are deeply ingrained, and they can be mistaken as facts, but they aren't actually facts. These, let me I'm talk about this kind of organization system that we use to kind of view the world. And the best example I have, it's a kind of a goofy example. Um, I have three boys at home, and uh, technically right now I have two boys at home. Two weekends ago I moved out my daughter, right here, okay? She doesn't live with me anymore. <laughs> I love her very much, it's nice. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. She got a tattoo on her shoulder and it's a little sore. Sorry. She moved out two weekends ago and my son moved out on Saturday. Half down, we're doing great. When my three boys um, play video games, they love video games. They are wired for video games. It's this generation, they're born plugged into something. Um, and they, every once in a while, say, Dad, come play video games with me. I have about a three minute window of interest for video games. I'm just not wired to play them. But because I'm a good, loving father, I want to do something that's interactive with my kids. And so I'll go and play video games. 
and we play some sort of, I don't even know what the games are called anymore, but um, they hand me this thing called a controller and there's about 18 buttons on it that does something. And they go, okay, pick your character. And I'm going, which button does that, okay? This button over here, so I hit that button and the first guy comes up and I go, looks good to me, I'll select him. And you see them go, yeah, right. They pick their character and they go through 15 menus. They arm up with about 19 different weapons. They've got armor out to here. They've got helicopters attached to their helmets. And, and they say, okay, we're ready to fight. And so we get on whatever scenario this is. And again, they've told me this button appears to shoot. And I go, okay, I know I got a gun. They haven't told me how to aim. They haven't told me where to look at. They haven't even told me how to find them in this grid. They just go, okay, go. And so I start shooting and I'm shooting walls and I'm shooting the sky and everything. <laughs> and, and I'm dead within about three seconds because they come swooping in and they throw a grenade and it just, their brain has this entire framework of of information and systems and organizing that I just don't have the, I don't have the, the organizational, uh, not, I have the capacity for it if I wanted to spend the number of hours they spend on video games, if I wanted to spend those hours, I could learn it. I don't want to. But when they go, this is easy, Dad. I mean, you should have grabbed the hand grenade, the bazooka, and this other thing, and that would have given you a fighting chance, and this character over here sucks, and this one's much, much better. I don't, have, I don't even have the framework to know that information, and, and yet they, they, they actually gave me a nickname. It's a terrible nickname. They call me the brick. Lies in, you're as smart as, okay? They actually made that my title, my handle, or whatever the name is for the character, you know, Dad the Brick, and... Dad the Brick just signing in to Xbox or whatever it is. Um, when you don't take the time to understand the organizational system, you don't know what the menus do. Again, they can have a menu come up and it comes up and it goes down because they know exactly which corner to look at to get which piece of information to know what button they need to switch so they can switch this thing on or off. And it, the menu comes up and I go, okay, give me 30 minutes. I gotta read the menu, I gotta figure out which thing it does. What does this word even mean? Why, and what does it do? And what button makes it change? It, I'm, I'm completely out of my element, completely out of my depth because I don't have the organizational system. For some of you, again, that might be relationships. You're going, how come these people over here, relationships look so easy and yet, I don't even know what button to push to, to make the person call me back. How, how did you get them to call you back? I don't understand the organizational system because you haven't, you haven't been exposed, you haven't had time to, to create a healthy relational organizational system. And so you feel disadvantaged. And again, you go back into that system that says, I haven't been able to figure out anyway, so I'm gonna keep picking the same character with the one gun and the crappy suit that, that bullets go through anyway, and I'm just gonna, hopefully that works out, and I'm just gonna not be very good at video games, or I'm not gonna be very good at relationships, or I'm not gonna be very good at confrontation, or I'm not gonna be very good at my job, or I'm not gonna be very good at making money, or I'm not gonna be able to provide for, or on and on and on and on and on we go, right? We get to help you rebuild an entirely new organization. What I need, actually, is I need, to, I need a guy who says, all right, Paul, 
Let's get you trained up so the next time your sons ask you to play video games, you know what you're doing. <laughs> and I get a tutor. I, and I sit down and I have to spend time and energy and I have to be, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. I gotta be the newbie. The guy who sucks at the video games for a while until I can figure out the muscle memory, how the, how the video games work and everything on this and what your fingers do. Because I'm always, you know, I'm supposed to hit this button, I'm always, because my muscle memory's not there. I, the system's not in place yet. I need to hire a guy who will say, well, it's, it's gonna take 20 hours, and then you're gonna be able to figure it out, and then when your sons ask, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be like a little hustle you got going on, you know, of like shooting pool, you don't know how, what you're doing. Yeah, Let them shoot you a couple times, huh? Then they'll be on to the next one. Then they're the, yeah. <laughs> There's an upgrade or there's a whole new system or there's something else that gets in the way. Yeah, I, I, what's the game? What's the game? <laughs> Are you good at video games? Some of them. Thank you so much. This is the model, exactly what we're gonna be doing the, this entire series. If I needed to learn how to play video games, I don't, but thank you. Here's someone who goes, I have a skill. Let's go sit down. Let's, let me teach you this. For some of you, it might be relationship stuff. It might be confrontation. It might be money. It might be job. It might be writing. It might be that. And some of you are going to go, I'm actually, I got that dialed in. I'm pretty good at it. Let's sit down together. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be fantastic. That's what we're doing this series. Thank you. What's your name? Corey. One more time. Corey. Did I get it right, Corey? I heard Porig, Irish name. Irish, yeah. Um, where are we here? How are toxic stories implanted? What is, there's actually a process that goes on here. Let's, um, let's look at that. How are toxic stories developed? First, you have these things called facts, but they're in quotes, okay? We're gonna come back to that in a second. Facts, something happens. And when that something happens, it leads to opinions, okay? You gotta make sense of it some way. Opinions lead to a belief system, and then the belief system leads to what we call a conviction. The conviction now informs or becomes a filter for other experiences that you perceive as facts, okay? That's the model. Let's walk you through it real fast so you can see what it looks like in real life in real time, okay? Let's take a fact. I failed a test. That's just a fact. Does that make sense? It's an experience. I simply failed the test. I didn't pass. You can take that fact and now you can run an opinion about that. Opinions, opinions are trying to ascribe meaning to the fact. They're trying to figure out causality. Why did that fact happen? Why did that experience happen? Why did I fail the test? Um, you're actually testing hypotheses. You're going, well, I could have failed the test because I didn't study. 
I failed the test because the teacher rigged the test against me. I failed the test because I didn't understand. I failed the test because I, you're testing hypotheses, okay? Until someone, somewhere, offers an opinion. It's not a fact, it is a, it's an opinion, it's a personal preference. And oftentimes those opinions come from people in power over us. Just like the Radio Lab story we heard, this 25-year-old intern had a much more experienced head of the department give an opinion. This can't be done. Let's take it back to the story here. I failed a test, and the opinion is, well, you failed it because you're stupid. You're not smart. You're not gonna be good at tests anyway. And you can be given that message from a variety of people. It could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be a peer in the class. Do you know that you're not born with that, with that idea in your head? You aren't born with the, huh, I must be stupid. That's a learned message somewhere. Isn't that a little weird to think about? Sometimes almost a little disappointing. Where did that first get implanted? But if that comes from an authority figure, again, let's say it's a parent this time, and they go, it's because you're stupid. You're not even capable. Again, that's their assessment. That's their opinion. It's not a fact. It's an opinion. Then it moves down into um, a belief system. While it's an opinion, while it's in the opinion stage, it's still flexible. It hasn't actually sunk in yet. It's still a hypothesis, okay? Now again, depending on the person who says it and the power or the role they have over you depends on how quickly it moves down to this next section, which is the belief section, which is this opinion now has more certainty to it. It feels true, feels true. Might not be true, but it feels true. There's a strong emotional investment into that idea. Which then you start putting more hypothesis into it and you start to extrapolate because you've you're got that organizational system which is trying to predict what the future is going to do and it's going to go, oh, if I failed the first time and someone says I'm stupid and it feels true because I've heard it over and over and over again, what's going to happen the next time I take a test? What's going to happen? You're going to fail because that's just the most common sense logical answer. I have to actually, that's the only answer that fits into this system. It's the only answer that fits in. And because it's what fits into the system, it actually becomes a conviction. And a conviction is a belief or truth that you're going to defend. No matter, no matter if someone comes to you and says, you're not stupid. Oh, yeah? I've got 15 years to prove you wrong. And I'm not even open to you saying that I'm smart because I know that I'm stupid. You ever met, you ever met individuals who work really, really hard to convince you about a negative attribute about themselves? I mean, they fight for it. And you can have the best of intentions. It's really tempting as a counselor to try to convince people or talk them into believing something different about themselves. It doesn't work in counseling. Even though I admit fully and completely, I sit with individuals and I can see other messages, I have other opinions of them than 
the opinions that were given to them early on, but me just saying, you're not stupid. Man, I wish they could go, man, Paul, thank you so much. That helps me. I have been wrestling with that for 30 years. Thank you. I'm all better. I would charge more, okay, that's the first thing. I wish it worked that way. But sometimes they're convictions. They're defending it. But they're not defending the negative belief. They're defending the system. They're defending the thing that makes sense and makes them feel safe. Does that make sense? You're not bad if you keep wrestling with this, with this limiting belief because it serves a positive purpose. It fits into the system and it makes sense for you. And it goes round and round and round and round again. Questions at all about that process? Can you see how it plays out? One second, I'm going to throw the microphone at you real quick here. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. You talked about, you talked about having an emotional investment. Yep. Into the idea. Yep. So can you talk more about emotional investment into the idea or the belief? Yes. Um, I don't want to explain it better. People rarely make decisions based on logic. We don't. We actually make decisions primarily on feelings. And again, what's the feeling that makes us feel safest? What's the feeling that makes us feel most predictable in life? And so, um, I have a client that <clears throat> he, he experienced the normal things that, that kids grow up with. Uh, a little bit of teasing, a little bit of struggling in school, um, a little bit of uh, not quite fitting in. All the, all the things that are part of the human experience growing up in, in and around other human beings. Does that make sense? Um, he would try to do things that would fit in. He would try to do things that would um, make him be accepted. And instead of having parents that go, it really sucks that you got teased today at school. We're really sorry that that happened. Um, the message was, of course they teased you. It makes sense because you don't fit in. You're weird. You're worthless. And when a, when, a, when a boy hears that message, it's not a logical decision that, that he makes that goes, oh, let me examine the facts. Oh, that makes sense cognitively. Emotionally, it's, it's the because he's doing anything he can to survive and fit in. Um, it's, the, it's the one message that answers the question for him of why don't I fit in? And he goes, there it is. I don't like the answer. I think it's dumb. I, it hurts like unbelievable, but it answers the question. And so 
he continues to reinforce that message into adulthood. I'm worthless, I'm stupid, what's the point? I know as a counselor what I would want to say to a parent who reinforces that message, but I don't get that opportunity. And that's not how it works. We don't get to go back in time in our Wayback Machine with Mr. Peabody and fix it. Instead, we get to sit with people and we get to go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that message is so strong. It makes sense why it's so strong. Let's give you a different experience that's going to start challenging that. I want you to be around different people who don't have the same opinion. And it comes to experience that that starts to get challenged and it's changed. I truly wish I could just... Early Jim Carrey movie, um, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Whole premise of the movie is we're going to be able to erase certain memories <clears throat> that are just uncomfortable and disturbing. Didn't turn out good in the movie. Um, it doesn't turn out good in real life either. So instead, again, instead of having just one ending to the story, I don't fit in or I feel left out as an adult and it means I'm worthless, sometimes you just don't fit in as an adult. You don't get connected in the way you do. It's like, huh, I'm not fitting in right now. It means that, that the situation just isn't, isn't ripe for me to fit in right now and I still might have value and worth. And you get to learn that message in a different way experientially. Is that making sense at all? When you go through this cycle enough and this, this cycle becomes cemented in, you actually lose your ability to dream. It's hard to think outside of that. One of the things I see a lot with my clients over and over and over again um, is we'll take a scenario, a painful scenario, and they're able to describe it real clearly about here's what happened, here's how I felt, here's my response. And I'll ask them, what do you wish you could have done? What do you wish you could have said to that person who hurt you? And they literally in my office go, um, um, uh, hmm, huh, what would I say? Um... They have no idea because they've never had a chance to practice it. And so in my office, I'll sometimes go, just notice how this feels. If I, were to, if I were to say to this person, how dare you? How dare you say that to me? And you can watch them go, oh, whoa, you're allowed to say that? Well, let's see. Let's try it out. I actually have to give them language. I have to introduce them to an entirely new organizational framework that doesn't fit their framework because you don't have the ability, they, they've lost the ability to see outside of that framework. So you lose the ability to dream, to conceive of things outside of that framework you grew up in, and that's why you feel stuck. And that's why the limiting beliefs, that's why you keep going back to the same patterns over and over and over again. It's not because you're dumb. It's not because you're incapable. It's because you do not have any other options. Huh. On the back of that, um, the, the Chinese fortune that I just showed you up there, it, it says the Chinese word for dash and then chicken. Okay, And it has all the, I don't read Chinese. It's about 18 symbols that that I'm assuming means chicken. 
I could study that little piece of paper and memorize the word for chicken, and if I traveled to China, if someone said, what do you want for dinner? What do you think I'm answering? There's only one, I can only speak or write or, or understand one word, chicken. I just don't know there's other options available to me because, I, again, I haven't expanded out. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the language. This happens even in, in, in actual, you know, learning Spanish or French or, or a second language. You don't function in the society as well because you just don't know. You don't have, the, don't have the vocabulary yet. This happens emotionally for us. Whoops, almost crashed there. Um, we don't have the emotional language for some of these things. This, this series, I'm hoping you can, you can find a Spanish tutor. You can find a French tutor. You can find someone who goes, I actually speak that line. I speak video game. Great. Teach me video game a little bit. And you can, you can start the journey. I wish seven weeks would be long enough to see you to master the journey. Probably not going to be. But I want you to get a couple steps and so you can get some level of success under your belt in some way. I'm, in, I'm intentional about this, and I'm going to do this later in the series. But this is actually kind of the concept um, in scripture that talks about dying to our old self. We have this image of what we've been trapped by. Um, in Romans, it talks about being trapped to our, our sinful nature and that when we get re, uh, redeemed, when we have Christ live in us, we actually become entirely new people, and but we still have this conflict between the old nature and this new nature, this old person who we were and this new person who we were, and the idea of dying to our old self. Some people, the concept of doing that, again, scares the crap out of them because the old self is the only way they know how to keep themselves safe, and they don't have any picture or image of what it looks like to live a new self, to live trusting Christ, to feel his power moving through us. Again, I'm not going to go into much detail tonight, but the idea of there's a spiritual transformation that can happen as well. We don't have to do this over under our own power, which is really refreshing, really nice. We can actually have the Holy Spirit come in, and you can say, I'm going to help redeem some of these areas. Does that make sense? I can't wait for that portion. That's, that's exciting when that happens, when you get to feel that, when you get to taste that. You have one more worksheet. I'm actually going to have you do this worksheet at home instead of in here. Um, here's what I want you to do on this worksheet, if you could. I call it being the author of your life. There's two worksheets, actually, in this. The first one is I want you to imagine you are a story writer. You're a screenwriter, and you have to write a tragedy, okay? Uh, a story that ends in sadness and, and not a happy ending. And you have to use actual real events from your story that would lead down that path. For some of you, this is going to be an easy assignment. That first one's easy. Parents got divorced, got abused, got in a car wreck, uh, lost my job, my dog died. I mean, it's, it's a tragedy all the way down, right? Limit it to seven to ten things. Then the next worksheet is you get to be the author again, except this time you get to write a hero's journey. That doesn't mean everything's peaches and roses and unicorns and butterflies, but it means here are the positive things. Here are the things that have, again, facts, true things. You're not making them up. It's not things that I wish would have happened. 
These are things that have actually happened in my life, but I can write these things out, and it demonstrates this story actually has a positive ending, a happy ending, or at least an ending that's moving towards a crescendo of success, of conquering, a hero's journey. Does that make sense? I want you to, I want you to take facts from your life, and you get to write two different stories. Question about that assignment. Not projecting, because, um, again, unless you have facts about what's happening from here, this is facts, something that, remember that chart again? That's the first, the top left corner of that. Experiences that have happened to you. Because then the question is, which story do you want to start rehearsing? Which story do you want to start listening to? Because the stories that we feel and dictate our lives are rehearsed. They're practiced. And some of you might only have that first story well scripted. And the second story might be really difficult to write. But once you write it and you see it on paper and you hang it up on your fridge and you post it on Facebook and you let your friends see it and you go, this is the story I want to start living. This is the story. And again, it's facts. It changes the emotional investment. You get to challenge the framework. You get to challenge the story. And we get to see if that changes the feeling. And you might find out there's actually some empowerment there. There's some, some emotional investment which says, wait a second, this actually might turn out OK. I can't wait to see what happens with this. It's an interesting assignment when you do it and you play it out to the, to the end. Here's what I want to leave you with, OK? Trying to stay comfortable will always be a hindrance to change. That's the bad news. Trying to stay comfortable will always be a hindrance to change. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to change or do you want to avoid discomfort? Now, this might not be in your entire life, but for the seven-week series on Monday nights from 7 to 9, what do you want to do? Because for some of you, the idea of being uncomfortable is scary because you've known what happens. And the idea of doing that intentionally, your body's going, eh, I'm not so sure I'm signing up for this joyride. That sounds dumb. I don't want to do that. And yet, we do not change when we stay comfortable. It's impossible to get better and look good at the same time one of my favorite quotes. It's impossible to get better and look good at the same time. So can we agree that on Monday nights from 7 to 9 for the next seven weeks, this is a place where you can come and try and you don't have to be perfect at it and you can take off your seal skin coats and be uncomfortable with that wind touching your skin or learning how to stand up in front of a, a group and read what they wrote on their paper and get through the tears and let everyone else enjoy you do that? Or learn how to take writing that you've put out there and let other people read it? Or hear the stories that are stopping you? That's what this can be about. Now, my job is to make you uncomfortable. You're welcome. My job is also to make sure you are safe because you cannot grow if you're unsafe. That's why everything here is an invitation, not an expectation. No one's going to force you to do anything. 
we grow best when we're safe but uncomfortable. How's that sound? Sound all right? I can't wait to hear your stories, to see where you go, to see the process you walk through this. It's going to be an amazing experience. And it's going to be a different point for each one of you. I can't wait to see what happens. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.